Welcome to the Extra Base Podcast. Um, I'm Jeevo, and um, <laughs> Roger's got internet. I'm absolutely amazed. Like this is absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. Rog, how's Chrissy? Ah, uh, <laughs> bedridden. <laughs> <laughs> crook as, crook as. So, not, not, not good, good mate. Now. <laughs> now, um, before we before we get sort of get stuck into tonight, um. Roger, I just wanted to mention that our fresco area, mate. Jeez, she takes some inspiration from my house or something. hundred oh, percent. Why do you think I'm the castaway? Yeah. <laughs> so, Roger, taking taking your uh, our fresco hostage. <laughs> so Roger's keeping out me our fresco because um, that's what Roger does. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's still got no internet, so Roger's decided he's going to chill out at my place tonight. So. After this, we're having a having a barbecue. Going to throw on some wagyu steak, so hopefully that'll uh, that'll be that'll be good for us. But um, um, you can also probably see tonight that uh, we do have a missing member. Uh, Roger, do you want to explain where Tim is, please? Uh, he's uh, he, he's decided to uh, prioritise a date. Um, I would have preferred him to come and you know join us here and bring his date here. It would have been would have been nice. Uh, meet the lovely lady or all men uh, not going to discriminate uh, whatever floats his boat so we'll see how he goes <laughs> might, might have to cross over to him remotely yeah so for anyone that doesn't get that yeah so he's on a date tonight good luck Tim or good luck to the lovely lady or man because um, we're not really sure how it's going to go but obviously we'll ask for a um, an update in the next episode, that'd be awesome to see how he went. It's like uh, celebrity dating or something. Maybe we could uh, <laughs> could cross over live soon, see how his date's going. But yeah, um, yeah look, um, tonight's special guest is uh, none other than Ben Moore from Down Under Travelers. So we'll just bring Ben in. I'll just bring him in now. Well, he doesn't want to come in. Here he is. Hey, mate, how you going? Good, mate. How are you? Very well, mate. How's Chrissy? Very good, mate. Just did the family thing and uh, caught up with a few mates and tried to get a little bit of R and R after yeah. the week that we had last week. But uh, that was all good, mate. So I hope everyone out there had a great, great Christmas too. And um, yeah, got to enjoy some uh, some time with family and friends. What did you get from Santa? <laughs> I must have been on the naughty list. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, well, uh, Rog, Roger got a Roger got sick, so that was good. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, well, at least he got something, I guess. We could look at it that way. That's, that's yeah. it. Roger's also camping out my alfresco area too, so he's uh, 
He's doing, he's doing well. He's, he's, he's upgraded his house. He's moved into my house. I'm not sure Mel cares, but... So yeah, and um, yeah, apologies also, Ben, that um, Tim can't join us tonight. He's on first date or on a date somewhere. So obviously his priority was, um, I'm not sure what his priority was, but we'll get into that in another, that'll be another episode. <laughs> he's not going to dial in and give us updates from how, he's, uh, how his date's going? No, apparently not. So well, I, I'll try to call him. I'll try to call him later. Halfway through, I'll see how we go. Seems very pressing questions for you. So, um, but now look, I guess the, the thing for for us here is about you know trying to bring on different people to sort of get an understanding of sort of what you do, how you do it, why you do it, and also you know, I guess what you do, Ben, is very unique. Um, you know, when it's obviously something that you know was never really an opportunity when I was growing up, and not so much for Roger either. And I guess it's sort of that whole college pathway thing now, but like without even sort of starting there, like I guess my first question was like, who's Ben Moore? Because I didn't have a clue who you were. So, mate, who can we- you just go through and sort of give us a brief, you know, baseball history on Ben Moore? Gee. Uh, where do I start? Who is that guy? Who is Ben Moore? So, uh, no, obviously a Cam- Canberra native, so, so grew up, found my way into... Uh, to baseball at a young age of five. I, I went to school with a, a kid that uh, had an American dad and had that influence, I guess, from there. So I never, I guess, ever would have fallen into baseball. I mean, who knows, you know, a sliding door moment, I guess. But, uh, you know, invited, you know, he invited every class, I think, at the school along to play T-ball and all the rest of it. And we actually, I don't know, in that, I think we had four classes in, in that school. Um, I think I was, I don't know if I was, year one maybe or kindergarten or something and out of that I think we had two or three teams you know it was a large school but I guess this kid knew how to uh <laughs> to get in the ears of different different students and, and started playing and I guess that's where it, that's where it all kicked off I guess I just went from one thing to the next so I just found my way into t-ball and then uh, just absolutely loved it went through you know obviously coach pitched the younger grades mm-hmm. um remember turning up to uh Try out for the first ACT team, which is under 12 team. We're going to Queensland. I think there was 110 kids, you know, turn up, you know, in, in Canberra to, to go and uh, try out in that team and made that. And then, yeah, I guess tried out, um, you know, under 14s, made that as a first year kid at, I don't know, 12 or something. And uh, and the next year got MVP at, at that tournament, the Nationals. I was a, a shortstop at that stage. And uh, ended up on the mound, I guess, at the end of the game against Victoria or someone, I think, to, to close it out somehow. And was lucky enough to scrape through that and ended up getting uh, an MVP for that, for that team as well. And I guess it just kept going from there and was lucky enough or fortunate enough to make the Academy of Sport, which in the old program with the institutes and academies uh, here with a pretty, pretty talented side. So it was kind of three, four years younger than uh than the rest of the mob so i got pretty used to carrying buckets of balls around and l screens and all the rest of it in the back of his shoulders and running out the back looking for the left-handed batter's box and uh you know all these different things you know the box of curveballs and all that uh all that all that stuff and um yeah had had a a little bit of interest um you know professionally had a few different workouts it's actually funny now i guess in, in scouting and that i was talking to to Neil Burke, um, 
one of the yeah he's been around obviously a long time an old Australian baseball coach and he's been a scout with the Braves and now the the Royals I remember chatting to him a couple of years ago and I said oh do you remember when you run that workout and you know we had you know there was three other guys and blah blah, blah. And he goes yeah I remember that. I go I was actually the the one I was the last of them all I was the fourth kid but uh, anyway um, had that and I uh, I guess I actually walked walked away from the game. For a couple of years, in uh, those forming years, in in sixteens, uh, seventeen, kind of year age group, and started of all things uh, cycling. I mean, who knows why? I think the Olympics were on, or it was, it was around that. And had a friend who was cycling. Actually, uh, changed me baseball pants for a pair of Lycra for a, a couple of years. I, yeah, whatever, and uh, and then came back and was like, you know what, I um really you know want to play and want to go to america and I'd, I'd represented australia beforehand i guess i've had that but um you know it was the same when I, I wanted to go to college and i was dead set on that you know i uh i pretty much called around you know every coach and everyone in a, in america uh, you know back then i think i was sending faxes most people probably don't even know what the faxes are you know um as well but uh, i was lucky enough to get a few offers i ended up in uh in Howard College, so very, very solid, very good program in, in West Texas there that um, was, uh, yeah, always a really solid program, always renowned as a really good program, one of the most, I guess, during that period, one of the most successful baseball colleges in the whole of America, I think just a couple of years after um, I went there, they ended up winning the World Series uh, with a tally of 63-1 and one for the whole the whole year and took out the whole thing, so... Uh, pretty lucky or pretty blessed to get there and um and then yeah I I had uh, a second knee surgery while I was there and that really took the edge off me I'd I'd verbally committed to Texas Tech so a a good D1 university just up the road there in West Texas as well and I never got there never went there I um kind of struggled and then come back and just played, you know, a couple of years of local baseball here and, and up in Sydney for, for Marrickville. And um, and then uh, that was really the end of my, my playing days. And that was uh, that was about it. So, yeah, I guess long-winded winded answer of, I guess, yeah, born and raised in Canberra of all places. And, uh, yeah, got to play, I guess, represent the country and, uh, and go to college myself uh, over there, which is, I guess, to fast-forward many steps, really, how um, I got back into the recruiting point of view is probably for two different reasons. I guess the first one was knowing how hard it was, as I said, even though I'd represented the country, I, you know, when I was going to go to college, it was, there was no one to talk to, no one around. It was pick up the phone yourself and have a crack. And, um, and um, yeah. And then also quite a few of the teammates that I played with over there in America, I, I'd lived over there for a period of time after I finished playing and, kept in contact with a lot of those guys and I think there was about five or six guys on that that team that I was on that they went on to coach in different capacities of colleges and universities and that as well so I guess by chance when it came around that I started just assisting kids to to go to college I'd already had you know I guess a small base but a very trustworthy base with some ex-teammates that I could um, pick up the phone and call and I guess kind of be that that trusted voice on the end of the phone saying, Hey, you know, you know, I've played, you know, you know, you trust me as a teammate or whatever else. And this is what I think the, the player can do or can contribute. And um, it just kind of started from there. Yeah. And I guess that sort of brings you on to like the next part of that is, you know, like 
Yeah, what did, how did you come up with down on the travelers? Like, where, where did it come from? Like, you know, uh, because I know, I know myself, you know, like, you know, I've, I've sort of dabbled in, you know, social media, I've dabbled in, you know, the streaming side of things, and you sort of just come up with it because it is what it is, and it sort of just goes its, its own merry way. But you know, what you've come up with is something very unique. So, yeah, right, yeah, it's yeah. Happened. Stuff happened. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I had my, my son in, in 2017 and I uh, was probably looking for an excuse to get out of the house. So I started coaching again with the high performance guys in, in Canberra. I was an assistant coach there and, um, you know, that was, oh, you know, 20 odd years since I'd been to college. And, um, you know, the struggles were, you, you know, really the same. The kids that I was dealing with and training and, and around, they were, you know, they were picking up the phone and cold calling colleges as as you know the same thing as i'd i'd done back in the day so it kind of got birth from there in, in one sense but um well it got birth from there but also during my time with the academy of sport i think i was 15 we had trevor sharma as the head coach here and uh he actually took our whole uh academy squad over to america and we uh traveled um you know california uh vegas utah uh, Arizona, these kind of areas and did that. And, you know, that was absolutely life-changing for me. It was the first time I'd been to America or the first time I played baseball outside of Australia. And it gave me, uh, you know, just um, open that horizon, I guess. You know, I went to my first big league game, um, you know, got to see that for the first time, experienced that, you know, got to live out of a suitcase, got to, you know, meet, um, you know, players playing, you know, in another culture and, you know, we'll billet it out at that time. And, um, and and it meant something to me. And, and it's funny, you know, I've got a, uh, you know, there's a fellow player now. He, he works for the Tampa Bay Rays and I caught up with him for the first time in probably 10 years this last year. And, and I was, you know, we'll sit in a Tropicana field and sitting there together. And I was like, mate, do you remember that trip that we did? And he was like, yes. He goes, yes, that was, you know, like hands down the best. And just the detail, you know what I mean? Like this is a trip that happened in, in 98, 98, you know, and we're talking about, you know, these finer details of this trip. It just, uh, you know, it just meant so much to us. So I guess, um, you know, through that period uh, and, and coaching back in, you know, ACT and with these guys, I thought, you know what, I, um, you know, I remember speaking with Phil Brassington, you know, one of the legends of, of baseball here in Australia, um, you know, the highest overall draft pick and very close friend and ex-teammate of mine. And I was like, mate, you know what? I think I can can give these kids a similar or same opportunity that uh, that really changed, you know, my lifestyle or trajectory in, in baseball and, and set it off. So, um, yeah, I, I think it was uh, 2018 maybe just, you know, sent out, you know, some some messages to players that I'd seen play and like, Hey, you want to come on this and spoke to some old teammates and got you know, connections and that, that I'd had from people that I've met and known or played with, or, um, you know, friends of friends and all this other stuff. And, you know, the rest was kind of history. And I think we went away and I think that first year, you know, the roster was a bit skinny. We only had about 13 or 14 Australians and, and the rest, you know, kind of got four or five friendship players from over there. And I think out of those 13 players, I think there was about eight or nine kids from that trip alone that went to college, which was 100% of the guys that were eligible or wanted to go. 
Um, and it kind of just got uh, birthed from there. And it just, I guess, with the success that the programs had and the, the stories and that, the, uh, the programs kind of created something. I mean, sitting here now, like I never would have, you know, in all honesty uh, with that trip, you know, I remember sitting there before I went going, gee, I don't know if this is a, this could be the first and only, you know, trip that we do. This has got, you know, a, uh, you know, as much chance of it to fail as it has to succeed, you know, but just, you know, put in the, uh, put in the hard yards and just tried to make it something for these, you know, players and, um, yeah, it just, um, you know, it's looking back now and seeing the amount of kids that have been able to come on the tours or, or the amount of kids now in pro ball or college or that stuff. And, um, and you know, it means saying to me too, you know, from these kids or parents calling and just saying, um, you know, that trip, without that trip, they, they don't feel like they would have gone to college or they don't think like they could have played at that next level. Um, so I guess it makes that hard work kind of worthwhile. Yeah, and look, Roger and I have a similar conversation every week. Is this going to be our last podcast? So, yeah, we know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> every week it's... Uh, yeah, <laughs> like we, we sort of sit back and go, oh, shit, like, you know, like, yeah, we're gonna, we think, you know, the concept's, you know, really good, but other people think it's rubbish, but that's okay, we don't care. But, um, you know, but it's the same. It's exactly the same thing, you know, horses for courses. You know, we still look at it and go, okay, like, what, you know, when, exactly the same on a bigger scale. You know, you're still saying, well, you know, it could work, it could be great. You know, it's the same as when I first started streaming. Hey, look, it could be good, it could, it could work, or it could be shit. Like, you, you just don't know. And, you know, and, you know, kudos to you, you know, you, you're throwing it out there, you're giving it a go. And, you know, and obviously, you know, you're reaping the, you know, the rewards now. Like, and that's what it's all about. And I think a lot of people, especially in Australia, don't actually understand the process. And I guess that's why we wanted to get you on to sort of go through you know, what that is, like, you know, we've just got a question here from, from Sean, you know, what's the best age to start a player profile if the athlete is keen to play in the USA for college? Like, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, very good question and all the rest of it. I think, um, you know, there's no point, getting into um getting into it too early i think if you're in about year 11 or or start of year 12 that's a great time to start you know trying to get that that stuff together um as well to to be able to build a bit of a portfolio and a bit of library to send off to some colleges as well but my best advice for the younger kids and it comes from my own career is just stay in love with the game you know as i said i walked away from the game after you know for about two years which you know, I come off the back of, um, you know, the MVP for my team at Nationals in under-14s. I, I had my first knee surgery, you know, my first, I oh know, my first year of under-16s, you know, in Alice Springs, um, you know, when I led the team in home runs, even though I was one of probably two guys my agent in that team uh, as well. And then uh, I had my first knee surgery the second year of 16, so I kind of missed that. Then the first year of 18s, um, you know, I... Uh, I did really well as well. I can't remember what my average was at, at nationals, um, but uh, you know, hit pretty well. And then you know, um, walked away from from the game, and that was just because I guess at that that period of time in the training program, I mean, it was it was pretty intense. You know, we were 
lifting weights four mornings a week and um, at the ballpark, you know, every afternoon. And then Saturdays was juniors, Sundays was was seniors and, and kind of done that for a long period of time and was really just burnt out and, uh, and just started to turn up to the ballpark and it was a chore. It wasn't love anymore. And, and um, you know, not pointing the finger at anyone else, I guess, uh, but just, you know, I lost, I lost the love, you know, for, for the game and for playing during that period of time. And, you know, that's probably a regret looking back. I mean, they were probably my biggest years or when I had had some, you know, a little bit of pro interest in that too. Um, that I never, you know, I, I walked away during the heart of that. And then when I came back, I was obviously a fully developed guy that I missed out on, you know, pretty much 17, 18, you, you know, years uh, of age um, that I really could have, um, you know, potentially, you know, potentially signed if that, you know, that did come about or, or not. I, I just, I, I'll never know. I mean, I don't have any regrets in my career. I got to play with great teammates and, and play with uh, you know college and um, and do really well and made some lifelong friends that I still talk to today. And uh, and look, I guess that sort of goes into into sort of what Roger and I was speaking about earlier today. You know, like what's obviously you now we're in Australia, right? Like we're we're middle of nowhere. You know, like what are the challenges in placing kids overseas? Like I just like as a as an adult, you know, I. I know how much you know it takes you know to go and travel and you know to you know organize all of that and like you know my partner she's absolutely amazing with all this stuff like she organizes she's the minister of finance and fund for a reason because she organizes everything right I don't have to worry about a thing right she just tells me where where we're going how you know what I need to pack and and we're done right but mate you're talking with kids you're talking with parents and all those type like. I would personally think it's a logistical nightmare, right? And obviously, there's challenges. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can be. It depends, um, you know, on the family and the kid. And obviously, it's their pathway. It's their future. It's their career. You know, it's not for me to make decisions for them. It's just to simply put uh, options in front of them, you know, to help them or try and assist them to go where they – you know, where they where they want to go, where they dream to go, where they desire to go. So, um so that's the biggest thing. I probably think the biggest challenges, I guess, that that I've had is is as you said, playing you know baseball in in America. It's um, you know, it's tough. You know, I remember um, you know, when I was there, you're up, you know, yeah, you know, I, I think it was uh five o'clock weight sessions, you know, for a couple of hours, and then you know you're going to breakfast in the mess, and then you're off to school, you know, for four hours straight and then you're, you're eating in the mess again and then you're going to baseball for a couple of days, uh, a couple of hours, <laughs> a couple of days, um, <laughs> a few hours in the afternoon and then, you you know, you eat, you know, you go straight from the field to the mess again for dinner and then, you know, it's probably six o'clock at night and then you, you're, um, you, you go back and have to try and get some studying, you know, and uh, there's choices there um, too, you know. I've, I'm a firm believer that, you know, and not saying this is a rule of thumb or, or, or any science or anything behind it, but just hear me out that I'm a big believer that you can do two things, you know, really well in, in college. If you try to do a third, that the other two have to have to have to babble. And from seeing other teammates, it happens. You know, you've obviously got your, your baseball, you've got your schooling and you've got your social life. And I've always found that, you know, guys can do two of those things really well. And, you know, if it's baseball and if it's schooling, 
that's going to be your pathway or what you really succeed at. But when that social life or, or part of you, as I said, when you've come back from the field and it's late at night, you know, there's options to go hang out with friends or go play PlayStation or, or catch up with people or, or you know, go see, um, you know, friends or, or get distracted, you know, with girls or whatever else, you know, with all that stuff or party. There's there's all those things. But, you know, I've either, you know from my experience, I've, I've found that, you know, people did either the party life well and the, and the baseball well and their school struggled or they did the school really well and, and the party stuff and the baseball struggled. So, um, you know, it is tough. It is a grind. You're playing, you know, back when I went, you're playing six games a week. You're playing two on Wednesday. You're playing Friday, Saturday, double headers as well. Uh, you know, with one day off plus juggling full-time schooling and having to keep your grades up to go forward. So it is tough, but I think, you know, to go back to your question, I guess about the biggest challenges is, um, the Americans, they, you know, pretty much since they're out of diapers, they're playing, you know, 80, 100, 120 games a year, whatever it is. It's it's a lot more than we get the exposure to play here and pretty obviously high level and quality games. We just don't get that. So, you know, it is, it is, it is a grind. It is tough. You know, we are, you know, there's a word in scouting that we use a long a lot, which is, you know, you're a big fish in a small pond and then you, you go to America and you're really a, a small fish in a, in a big pond, you know, it is, it is super hard. And, um, you know, you need to be realistic about, um, you know, your abilities and, and where you can play, play at or, or regions or, 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 you know, divisions that you, you can play at, which is tough seeing that kids haven't experienced that as well. I think, you know, when I was growing up and playing and I think probably all of us, you just want to be the next Hall of Famer in the big leagues and have a 15, 20 year career in the big leagues. But, you know, that's not achievable for for the majority of us, you know. So trying to be realistic with people, but you never wanna you never want to um uh you know cut people down either. You always want to inspire them and and uh push them forward with their dreams and their hopes and you don't want to be that person that's uh pulling away from it too, but you wanna you obviously wanna be realistic in, in what you're setting your players up to because for me I want players to go to a place that they're gonna play because they're gonna get better. Um, the more games, the more at-bats you do, the more game situations you have, um, the better your development's going to be. So it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. And I want, you know, all the athletes that I, you know, have the pleasure to work with to be moving up through their career and not, um, you know, not dealing with uh, the mental aspect in a greater capacity of starting off somewhere that's, uh, that you're going to struggle with game time, you're going to struggle with, you know, um, competing and, and then not only are you dealing with that, you're dealing with the mental aspect of when you do get a chance or do get a shot that you, you know, you're over nervous or, or, um, in that situation as well. So, um, yeah, it, it is obviously super tough and, um, and that too, but, um, and I think just the other challenge is, 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 is for me, which is saying that I don't have control over is I guess there is some, you know, and a bit of negative information, negative stuff, are flying around there in terms of college pathways or that as well. And just seeing some kids or families, um, you know, get fed some of that, that uh, poor or incorrect information that they're making decisions off that, um, you know, you hear that stuff come up and you have no control or capacity to, to, um, you know, impact that stuff from afar, but you just know that the kids are kind of getting set up a little bit for potentially for failure and that too. Obviously, it's their journey and that uh, 
as well. But as I said, you really want kids moving up through the system and not not back down through the system as well. And I think um, the kids that have done the the best or the greatest, you know, for me, are kids that have started off at a place or a school that they they play at consistently, um, and that they've they've moved on to bigger and best things. I've I've had other players that have I've seen go to big universities. To start with, even you know, I coached a kid who was offered uh, you know four hundred fifty thousand dollars to sign pro and turn that down to go to college and went straight to university. And over his five year of college, you know, he pitched less than a, I think a hundred innings total in five years, which you know most players you know pitching that in a year and uh, and and just seeing him struggle with his scholarship getting cut, his lack of game time, and how he had to deal with that mentally. Um, you know, as well. So, and he, you know, not pointing fingers, but obviously wasn't a kid that I placed into college. I, you know, the opportunity to coach him as well, but just seeing that play out as well. And then always, you know, think about, well, I wonder if that kid went to a, a great junior college to start with and he would have got a hundred innings in his first year and, and been able to compete from day one and, and really have that, um, you know, how would have that changed his career? Um, as well, and and again, it's you know it's got to be the player's choice and and, and their decision, and they've got to be happy with that as well. But just um, I guess I've always tried to pride myself with giving kids, you know, being honest with them, giving them factual you know information, and trying to help them out and, and know that you know I want them to go as far as they can in their baseball career. And the information that I give, I you know don't get any benefit from it, but but, but to cheer and, and sit on the uh, sidelines and, um, and and want them to go as far as they can. And like as Maria now, this is this is going to be a little controversial, Rog. So Maria's put this up because we know that Ben Reynolds can't do anything himself. Would that be correct, Rog? Yeah. Well, this this looks like a question for Ben Reynolds to get over into the U.S. college system. That's what I'm reading into it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ronald. Now, Ronald's, Ronald's going to actually be a, a, a guest of ours in a future episode, and we're going to speak all about cuddling at second base. It's be hilarious. Oh, yeah. But um, I guess more to Maria's question is, you know, how would an Aussie player get get a start in the US college system? Like, is there is there a certain thing they need to do, mate, or is it like where where does that pathway for a start? Yeah, I mean, there's many pathways and people have done many things over the years. I mean, the most successful pathway is you've got to get an advocate. You know, you've got to get an advocate for uh, for someone to, to push that kid on. I mean, you've got to think about it from the the other way around. If, if you're a college coach sitting in America who uh, is very far removed from Australian baseball, doesn't understand our local system or our local leagues or our local games, and I mean, you can say, oh, I, I hit three for five, you know, when the kangaroos played the wallabies or whatever else, they, they, it doesn't mean anything to them. So, you know, you've got to take a step back and go, you know, if I was a, a coach, how would I, what would I be looking at, um, um, you know, recruiting or, or, or what would I be looking for as well? And what information can I put forward that's actually going to mean something for a coach? And I think the biggest way for that, if you can get a respected professional within the, the baseball industry to, um, to help you out or, or advocate, you know, for you, that's a, that's a great way to get a bit of a credibility. And instead of it coming from, you know, little Johnny Smith calling up and putting himself there, if you can get someone to be an advocate for you, that's got some skin in the game as well and say, you know, Hey, I'm, 
you know, Joe Bloggs or I did this or I played college or I played co pro ball or whatever it is, you know, that that's going to speak a lot louder for words as well. But I think the biggest tip is, is just put yourself in that situation. If you were a college recruiter or a college scout, what would they look for and what would they want to see or what would they want to hear? Yeah, and I guess this is probably something that Roger and I spoke about earlier today is about, you know, like, if, like, and like, I guess too, like, Maria, obviously, you know, her son's got super talent, which she must have got from, from like her because her, her side only, yeah, because Ben's got no talent at all. <laughs> we, we both know that because, like, he's, you know, he's been overseas, he's represented. He represented Australia, you Rog? Uh, the, oh, he went over. He, he, in America, he went over for a tour. Tour and stuff. Like, like, the kid can play. He's got some tools. He's got he's got five more tools than what think, Ben's got. But, um, you know, that's... The world, I think they went to the World Series. World Series or something, yeah. 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 But, um, but yeah, like... Play. Yeah, well, obviously he got it from his mother. So, oh, you know... That, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but... You know, that's the, they're the things that a lot of people probably don't know, mate. And I guess that's why I sort of, you know, like to get you on and go through it. And, like, another question from Robin. Do you believe the same opportunity pathway exists for aspiring girl baseball players who have a college aspirations? Yeah, well, I think it's saying that, um, you know, the cogs are definitely turning and definitely turning over in America. I guess with our own organisation down under World Series, we... Uh, we ran our first women's only, you know, uh, event or series this year as well. So it's obviously a growing part of the game here in Australia, but uh, also, you know, over in America, I guess, traditionally, you know, the girls played softball and the boys played baseball and that's the way that it was. But I guess with, uh, you know, inclusion for all and, um, and, and different organizations in, in America, the things are definitely changing. Things are definitely changing. And, uh, and going, you know, going different directions, which is, you know, really great to see and really exciting, uh, you know, as well. And Rog, Rog has got a couple of questions on on the, obviously, the women's and pathway and things because he's heavily invested in the in the women's game. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we try and uh, put, a, put a lot back into it. Um, I did notice the, uh, the, the down under classic for the, the women's arm. Where'd you come up with the name for the uh, all the teams? Those, um... <laughs> or do you want to run through the teams first? Run through all the teams first. Uh, then, uh, then maybe see if someone can guess guess where it's he's, from. He's, he's stitching you up, Ben. I like it. I like it. It's, it was none of my doing. <laughs> it was all him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there were names that, you know, someone uh, who was running some, uh, you know, women's events and women, or not events, but women's, uh, you know, Kayla's women's stuff in, in Sydney came up with. And, uh, you know, why shoot people down? Why don't give people a crack and, and a chance to go? You know, like we, we all are as well. So we run, we, we, we had a crack try. You know, we went from obviously the, uh, I think the base is pretty much the All-American, um, you know, back from League of Their Own kind of names and that too and, and went with that fashion and just tried to do something a bit, uh, you know, a bit different or a bit cool with those with those girls. I, I think with with um, the product that we run, you know, down on trailers and down under the World Series, you know, one of the mottos or one of the things we always say is we want kids to get exposure to um, not only different levels, but we also want the kids to be able to get coached by um, people that they don't get a chance to get coached with um, you know, normally, 
you know what I mean? So, um, you know, there's a lot of baseball dads and, and, and mums out there and, you know, love them and, and all the rest of what they put into it. But, um, you know, we, we chose to get, uh, you know, the New York Mets minor league, one of the minor league coaches, the New York Mets is a friend of mine, uh, Bree Nasty, come over, you know, who's an absolute, you know, she's an absolute legend absolute gun, you know, best for me, the best female coach in, in baseball. I think she's really going to shine through the ranks too. And, you know, a good buddy of mine, Darren Braggs, who was a, you know, 12-league major league player, you know, come out and coach as well. Um, and then another coach who'd, who'd had some skin in the ABL too. So the three teams that we had, all three teams were getting high-level professional coaching and they had an experience that they could go back to their local clubs, teams, states, uh, or even national program, whatever that they they were going back to, to uh, add value, you know. We wanted to make sure the experience that they had was on a greater level than what they uh, what they were coming from. And we had the, um, you know, some seminars that we run when not only Bragg spoke, but we had Jason Potfischel, the uh, the Emeralds, you know, head coach come in and speak to the girls. We had dietitians and nutritionists and uh, we had um, the Blue Sox physio um, come in too. Uh, Tammy, I uh, went mind blank there, but she's an absolute legend, absolute gun. You know, Sydney local as well. Anyone in baseball who needs a physio, I'd definitely recommend her. But people to add level um, from a higher capacity that they would normally get in the game. So people are coming, they're not only spending money to pay high level baseball, but they're getting out of it more than, or hopefully more than what they've, they've, um, you know, got out of it in other places as well so that they're going back and they've been a better state or, or, or national player or whatever they're going back to. They're, they're adding value on a, on a higher level and it's been, I guess, uh, a bang for a buck or it's been worthwhile for them. One of, one of the things, I guess, I've always sort of asked the question and, you know, my, my biggest thing when we were talking about getting you on was about, like... What is you know what's the college process like? What's what's the Ben Moore process? Because I guess for me, I'm sort of sitting. Look, I've got no kids, right? So I'm not here nor there. But it's 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 more about sort of you know what are colleges look for because I, I you hear you hear three hundred different stories a week. Yeah, what a college looks for, like I sort of sit there and go, okay, well, is it you know. Does the kid have to hit, you know, 500 home runs and, you know, like what does a college look for in a kid? Because I know I've seen a lot of kids sort of, you know, play baseball over a lot of years and you, know, you sort of look at a kid and go, you know, he'd, he'd be all right in college. But, you know, there's different levels of college too, you know, and I guess people need to understand that, you know, there's different levels but there's also, you know, what the college looks for and then also on the flip side, what does Ben Moore look for in a kid to then place him in a college? Yeah, sure. Good, good question. Um, yeah, thanks for giving me a heads up on this one. Uh, no. <laughs> I think hey, um, I, I sent you this question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on holidays, mate. I'm on holidays. Oh, uh, um, going to work. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think, um, like, as we are talking about before, just looking at it from the college point of view, you know, or what that coach or what that recruiter point of view, I guess, you know, being able to play at that level and play, you know, one of the best regions, you know, in America of, of having an understanding of what a, what a college player looks like. Um, you know, fortunate enough to have been an MLB scout now for, 
you know, about five odd years and, and been able to sign players to, you know, professionally at every level of, of Major League Baseball, including the uh, the Major League. So I guess being able to, um, through friends and through people that I had and, and start pushing people, but also, I guess, having the background and the history that I had and being able to, I guess, to evaluate or break down a player or, or put to a college coach in video and, uh, and in report, you know, what I'm seeing and how they could add value to their program as well and just having that understanding of, um, you know, what coaches or recruiters need need to, um, you know, looking for and what they're, uh, and what they, what would mean something to them, you know, I get recruiting videos sent to me, you know, on a weekly basis, you know, some of them are five, ten minutes long and you kind of look at it and you're like, that doesn't tell me anything about the player or I can't make a call or I can't make a judgment on um, on this player and if I can't make that judgment then how on earth would a uh, you know a coach sitting in America on the other side of the planet you know potentially with getting hundreds of of um, videos sent to them on a weekly basis as well how would they be able to make a decision about you know providing a, a scholarship to a kid on the other side of the planet without um, ever seeing that kid as a uh, as well, so I guess just having a bit of a background in you know scouting has probably um, assisted and helped me out quite quite largely as well. And I guess just with the period of time that we've done it, the amount of athletes we've put into it, and the name that we've kind of built for ourselves in just a um, very reputable kind of organisation. Like you know, there's still coaches who reach out to me now in America and say, "Hey, I've heard that you'll tell us, you know, straight up and down what a." what a player is and, and how they're going to come in and, and how they're going to help us. And we know that your word is strong and it, and it, um, and, and it can be trusted. I, and look, I, I hear it and look, I'm, I'm not sort of trying to, you know, say what other people have said or whatever, but I, I, I listened to a podcast of Ryan Rowan Smith and he was talking about college. This is a while ago. I don't know if things have changed, but he was mentioning that, you know, like, they get thousands and thousands and thousands of videos. And he said if they're not set out in a certain way or they if they're not if they have a direct impact and punch, that they just move on. Is that is that how it works? Like I don't know. Like because like obviously you know you hear it from an ex big leaguer. Obviously it means yeah. that that's what he looks for or whatever. Like is there a process that you sort of help the kids sort of build that profile so they're not missing out? Yeah, yeah, we we definitely used to uh, run like a recruiting arm or, or, or part of um, you know the business. We used to we used to offer that as well. I guess just with the amount of interest that we've had, and the amount of athletes that we get coming into, it's just you know not really feasible possible to do at the moment. But all the kids that are turning up to our our venture programs, it's saying that we've said, hey, we we're going to help you, and we're going to we're going to do this for. But um, I guess, you know, Ryan, uh, you know, he, he's a guy who's got skin in the game. You know, he went straight to pro ball and played there and found a way to, you know, hang around in pro baseball for a number of years and, and uh, you know, play some time at the at the major league level, you know, but um, uh, which is great, you know, really good as well. Um, I think, you know, it really goes back to what I said beforehand is just, you know, getting someone with some skin in the game to... Um, to advocate for you, I think that's massive. You know, like I know if I send video or I send packages to a coach in America, I know they're going to open it and they're going to watch in full what's there. Um, and I think it is tough if you're, you know, little Johnny, you know, coming up and 
and sending off a video, you know, you're potentially one of 100 or one of 500 kids, literally, who are sending information to a college coach um, as well. And if you don't grab their attention or you don't, you know, you could be a college player for sure. But if it's not presented in the right way or if you're not portraying that in the right way, why would a college coach spend five or ten minutes of their time you know, looking, looking through that information when they've got a hundred or another five hundred to do. Plus, they most of them teach subjects in the school academically. Um, some of them are athletic directors, um, and they're obviously baseball coaches as well. So they're very time poor um, too. So, so I think um, there's hope, mate. There's hope. If you want to get your video through the pen, he might be able to help you out. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Yeah. What did, what well, did, it's not necessary. What did you tip about what is it, sixty-eight mile an hour now, something like that. Yeah. I throw, I throw a decent knuckleball. <laughs> Good knuckleball is always easy, useful. Though. So, Marina said, you know, do great, do great play a big part in the college recruiters? Like, is that something that? Yeah, yeah. It, it depends what pathway you go, I guess, to, you know, backtrack probably right at the start and probably should have mentioned earlier, there's obviously two different avenues that you have straight up, which is, you know, the junior college route, um, which is your first two years or, or potentially your first two years of, of college, um, US college journey or experience. Or you can go straight to a four-year school who do all four years of, of schooling. So to be eligible to go into junior college, you need to uh, finish uh, year 12 in in uh in australia um you just need to complete it or finish it if you don't complete it or finish it there, there still is another entry pathway that you can do you just need to sit a you know a pretty easy uh, uh entry test i shouldn't say pretty easy but yeah it's uh it's not too complicated especially if you put a bit of time into preparing for it and I've, i have had a few kids who have left school in year 10 or 11 and done apprenticeships and then come back around and want to go to college and uh have set the test and end up going to college. So it definitely is achievable that way. And the second route is obviously that university route, um, which it is the player's choice and, and decision and that to go to. It, it is a, you know, I, I guess I have made it made it clear um, that it's not an avenue that me personally um, recommend, um, only because of from scouting or playing in the game, there's only one player uh, who potentially could be a first rounder in the next coming draft? Who's who's gone straight to a university in his first year and got, you know, played more than fifty percent of the time straight away and put up any decent numbers at all? I've seen, you know, um, you know, literally probably 30, 40, 50 players who have gone that route, and I've personally um, known the struggles that they've gone through. As well, I mean, it is tough. It is hard. I mean, again, it, it, that's my personal opinion. I'm not saying that's everyone's opinion. I'm not saying that every kid has to go to junior college and not go to a university. I'm not saying any of that stuff at all. I mean, just saying the things that need to be um, need to be, you know, weighed up when a kid's making that decision to go because it is their decision. But uh, again, you know, for me and and from seeing kids not just go through college and be successful and have a good time, but also go on to draft. If we look at guys who have been Australians and have drafted out of America, they've all gone to junior colleges first for the first couple of years, yeah. and then they move on to a university, you know. Um, so, um, you know, for me personally, that, uh, you know, the number and the data, you know, backs up, I guess, my, my personal opinion, I guess it's, it is tough when you do see some some kids, you know, sign to some of these universities, and you just 
you've got nothing to do with the decision and you're over the, you know, you're so happy for this player or so happy for this kid, but you just know deep down the challenges that that player is going to have to deal with, um, you know, as well, which is tough just from, as I said, I, I coached a kid who was extremely talented here in Australia. He, he, you know, was offered over 400 grand and he went to, you know, division one university was pushed in that direction. And, um, he, you know, as I said, the first two years, he, he barely played. Um, he had his scholarship cut. He had to deal with that, not only the failure, but also the financial implications of that. Once his first two years were done, he had no option. He couldn't go to a junior college. He couldn't drop back. He'd already done his first two years of schooling. He was stuck in the avenue that he went in. You know, he had no other choice but to continue. Did his third and fourth year scrape through that? And he, he got passed over in the draft. All 30 MLB teams didn't even offer him a dime. Um, why you know pre, um, pre that uh, that avenue or direction you know he could have taken four hundred fifty grand US in his in his hand and uh, and moved along. And and look, I'm not going to sugarcoat it either. Like you know, it's it's expensive. Like college over there is expensive. Like I, yeah. I saw some numbers. I'm just like, like it's just crazy. Like and obviously, you know, been been an Aussie. Getting over there, obviously, you got to have a little bit of talent. But then also, you got to be playing. Like, you, know, you look at guys like, you know, Travis Bazana, obviously, you know, like all the hype around him. And look, look, the kid deserves every single accolade he's getting. Like, I've watched that kid from when he was 12. And like, the kid can play, right? There's, there's no doubt yeah. the kid can play, right? But not every single kid is a Travis Bazana. Like, the sacrifice yeah. that he's up. To be where he is is a testament to himself. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, um, and he's obviously the guy I was talking yeah about beforehand. You know, like he's uh, he's he's definitely been that one guy, that guy that's gone to it straight to a university and competed. But if you, you know, I, I scouted Travis obviously earlier on as well, and obviously he's a very talented player, but he's an extremely driven kid. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He deals with failure um, very well. He's very headstrong. Um, was, so he ticks a lot of these only. There was, was something, something that um, I remember him talking about back in his early days. Um, someone said he didn't have enough velo across the diamond, or, or but he couldn't hit the power. So he went out every single day and worked on it and worked on it and worked on it just to prove him wrong. Yeah, because that, that's yeah. the type of kid, you know. And I guess that that motivation, that drive is what sets him apart to others. Yeah, 100%. I mean, baseball's a game of failure and, and uh, you know, for me, knowing Trav a little bit and, um, you know, that that's definitely something that sets him apart, you know, in, in a massive way. Um, you know, baseball is a game of failure. As I said, I, I had a few um, pro tryouts when I, was, when I was younger too and the coach or Trevor Sharma at the time, he was with the Blue Jays. I remember him writing a scouting report on me and in my head and growing up young and some success, um, you know, I just wanted to be a major league baseball player and that's where I was going to be and no one was going to tell me different. I'd never been to America. I never knew any different, you know, and yeah. I remember him writing a scouting report on me and, you know, after all the tools they look for and all the rest of it, I had some pro tools, but I had some division one college baseball tools and that was this is it wasn't the reason why i gave up baseball but it hit me hard you know it yeah. hit me hard because in my head i thought i was going this way 
And, uh, you know, I wasn't nowhere near as strong as obviously Trav with, with dealing with failure and proving that wrong. But um, I look back at my career now, I never played Division One baseball. You know, that was probably the lowest ranking on that report and all the rest of it now. But um, these things can knock you around and, and, and deal with the player, all these things off the field, you know. Um, it is a mental game. It is a tough game. It's a, you know, you're in a slump and, you know, it's, it's hard. It's tough. And you try doing that on the other side of the planet with, no parents, no no support network, um, all the rest of it. It, it, it is super, super hard um, as well. And I think, you know, they're the things that set those great players, you know, apart because every level of baseball that you go to, you know, um, you, you know, you cross the line and be a professional baseball player, which is massive for any Australian. And they should all be congratulated. It's a massive achievement. But it's the day after you sign that professional contract, you're the bottom of the barrel. Exactly. You know what I mean? You've got to, you're at the bottom of the run of the ladder. You've just come off the top run of the ladder. You're at the bottom of the run of the ladder and you need to go again. And then you get into rookie ball and then you, you know, you're lucky enough to go into to able. You know, you've just come from the top of the run of that ladder. Now you're at the bottom of the run of the next ladder. It's a tough game and it's hard. And, uh, you know, dealing with failure and being your, your own internal motivator and supporter, why? externally great teammate and uh humble and all these other things you know as as well and and not getting uh you know out of check now as well but i guess to go back to travel obviously wish him all the best and all the uh all up to him really good family and uh yeah really proud of him too but um you know for anyone coming up through the ranks or playing baseball you know just remember that uh you know it is tough and the game's going to hit you down but you know you got to get back up the next day and and um and, uh, you know, keep going and keep grinding. And I guess that sort of sort of leads into the next part of, of that, you know, like what what's your number one bit of advice you give to parents and kids in preparing for, you know, that college that college route, like that lifestyle? Like what, what would be the number one tip you could give both parents and kids on what they need to do to ensure, number one, that – you know, it's the right choice for them. But also, number two, you know, what's going to happen? Like, because it, it is different. Like, and, I, and look, I don't sort of want to go off track too much, but, like, our next episode, we've got some college guys actually coming on, um, which we'll announce at the end of this show. But, you know, but before, obviously, we speak to them, I'd like to get sort of your view on, you know, what what – Tips and tricks do you tell these kids and parents? Yeah, I think, you know, touched on it beforehand, but for me, the biggest thing is is loving the game. If you love the game, you're going to turn up and not only play hard, you're going to enjoy it and you're probably going to get there early and you're probably going to stay there late. If you find a way to stay in love with the game, you know, a lot of these things are going to happen naturally, um, you know, too. So I think that's a big thing. I think, you know, to a lot of kids is, is uh, be open to start at a place where you're going to play and where you're going to contribute straight away. If that's, you know, uh, I mean, America is about the same geographical size of Australia, um, but a lot more densely populated. And uh, the southern parts of America, obviously, close to the equator, so it's a lot warmer. It's a lot more competitive to play baseball because people want to play there. The seasons are longer. The weather's better. Um, it's a lot easier to play um baseball why the further you go up north you, you you're dealing with snow and, and in some of these places foot feet and, and meters of snow not just yeah. you know a little sprinkler sprinkler snow um 
you know, it's tough too. But, um, you know, for me, wholeheartedly, and, you know, I'd give the same advice to my son is start off at a place that you're going to play. You're going to contribute straight away. It's where you start. It's not where you're going to finish. You're going to be a better ball player for it. If, you know, if I look back through the guys I've helped out, like, you know, Daniel Bannon, who was a, you know, absolutely stud player coming through. He went to McCook in Nebraska. Um, you know, yes, that kid deserved, you know, probably a better school. He was just happy and grateful and to go there. And uh, he ended up being an All-American, you know, out of every, you know, state and everywhere in America. You know, he was a, you know, he can always say he was an All-American and he moved on to a Division One university at the end and played at a high level and just, you know, got to play with the Australian under-23 squad after just coming back from college as well. But, um, you know, keep moving up through the ranks. Just get a start, get your foot in the door, go to a place that you're going to contribute straight away. You're going to get better, you know, from a scout wholeheartedly too. If you're getting live at-bats against live pitching, you're going to develop at a lot higher level than if you're on the bench at another school hitting BP. Or if you're a pitcher and, you know, you get the opportunity to get in game situations, you know, you know, working counts or holding runners, all this stuff, you're going to develop at a higher level than if you're just throwing a bullpen or, or you're not getting innings on the mound as well. Um, and just keep loving the game and keep enjoying it. As I said, I'm lucky enough to still be in baseball now many years after, you know, I finished playing as well. And it's a, you know, it's an honour, it's a privilege. It's not something that I take lightly. And, um, and uh, you know, for me, it's the greatest game on the earth. And as I said, I've still got teammates now I went to college with who I talk to pretty much on a weekly basis. And I, you know, went to school over 20 years ago over there, you know, lifelong friends. And it's tough. And I guess just to, I guess to show a little bit of humility in that too, like it's, it's tough. I remember rocking up in West Texas as a, as a young, you know, guy, I don't know if I was 18 or, or maybe 19, you know, when I went over and the parents obviously thought it'd be good if I get in, you know, a day or two days earlier before, uh, the, you know, to deal with the jet lag and that. And I remember rocking up to West Texas in a town of 26,000 people and, you know, it's small town, it's tiny, um, you know, rocking up to these dorms. I was the only kid in these dorms for two days. You know what I mean? And I remember lying there in nighttime, you know, just going to sleep in a, a full ghost town, you know, with no, no family, no friends, um, around me, no support, you know, no teammates had checked in, you know, there was a couple of days away and just remember staring at the ceiling and just being, you know, what on earth have I done? You know, I'm on the other side of the planet. I've just walked away from everything that was familiar to me and, uh, you know, started this, this journey. It is tough and it is hard. And, and, um, you know, I mean, fast forward from there, you, you know, you, you know, you, you got new teammates that check in that become friends with and brothers and, and life ticks on and all the rest of it. But, uh, you know, it's not an easy route. It's not an easy road, uh, you know, for anyone. I mean, you look at, you know, I'm sure if you'd spoke to Trav, you know, he's dealt, you know, like any ball player in the big leagues or any level of baseball, you have slumps, you have, you have hard times, you, you, you know, fail a subject or you, or whatever happens, you know what I mean? It's, it's tough and you're dealing with that, at, you know, for a lot of these kids, the first time they've ever lived away from home and they're not just an hour or two hours away from mum and dad, they're, you know, the other side of the planet and the other, uh, you know, times, you know, uh, complete opposite time zone than, uh, than, than the rest of Australia, you know, it is hard. And, and sort of even on that, like you sort of touched on, you know, the grades and things, obviously, you know, grades are, are super important in college um, because, yeah, obviously you don't get the grades you're not playing. So 
you know, you can't obviously, you know, start slacking it off. Yeah, you might be there for baseball, but obviously that scholarship and that funding is going to be pretty short-lived, won't it? Yeah, yeah. So I know through a junior college, you got a, you got a hold of a, a two-point GPA, which is a C average across the board. Um, you know, I know in Australia here, I don't know if, if times have changed, but back uh, when I went through, if you got 51%, you, you passed, you know, it, it's, it's easy, which is, it's a one out of two, you know, it's a 50-50. Why over there, you know, you're, an A's a 90 to 100%, a B's 80 to 90%, C's a 70 to 80%. So every test that you're sitting, you've got to get 70% or higher, you know. Um, you know, it's harder in terms of, that grading mechanism and we have to get a 70% instead of a 50%, but the schooling isn't challenging or, or, or isn't hard compared to the Australian system over here. And there are subjects you can take, you know, my assistant coach at the time, he, he ran a temp in bowling class, you know, so we all did that and you get a couple of points and you go and bowl, you know, once or twice a week or whatever we did too. And, and uh, you know that too. So there's some easy classes you can take too, but you do need to knuckle down. As I said, you do need to bounce things. And as I said, you know, from me personally, and in my opinion or history, you know, you can do two things really well. It's really hard to do three things really well. I'm not saying that's impossible, but you know, you gotta you gotta make a decision if you're there for baseball, and if you're there for baseball. You obviously got to put in there, but you also got to keep your grades up, like you said, or or if you don't have that two point GPA in a in the junior college, you um, become ineligible. Um, you know, cut no, the then, can't, can't make the team. And then you're on the bench. Is that then you're on the bench or what happens then? Yeah, can't play. So it's up to that coach whether he releases you, lets you. Uh, you know, I've, I know some coaches that don't let those guys even come around the field. They'd say, "Go, go get your grades in order, um, get your schooling back up to date." and uh, you know, the, the academic side of things done in a semester. So in one of your semesters, if you don't make that grade, you need to make it the next semester to then be eligible to play that next term. So it's, you need to stay on top of your grades because it's not something that say one week you have a dip and you're below that, the next week you can make it up. You're talking about a grades for a semester. So yeah. uh, it's super important to keep that up. But it's also, you know, in, in university land, uh, you know, especially D1s, you need to have high grades again or a high level GPA. And, you know, in my experience, you know, scouting that, the, if kids apply themselves in the classroom, more than not, or pretty much every time I find it goes hand in hand that they're going to apply themselves on the baseball field as well. So uh, I know when college, you know, recruiters or coaches are looking at in university and if there's two guys they're weighing up and if you're even at that stage you've done extremely well because we know you know these coaches can get hit with 100 you know recruiting videos that week but uh if you're weighing two guys up and there's similar ability on the field or tool wise or that and one guy is really good in the classroom and hitting his grades and, and succeeding and you've got another guy who's kind of struggling or hasn't been there or he's just there you know which one they're going to take so it is super important to stay on top of your grades too. And, and they'll help you out. There'll be study halls. There'll be um, other, uh, you know, you can get tutors and uh, other people to help you out and assist you as well. And it's not a hard route to take if you apply yourself. And I guess the other side of things that a lot of people probably don't know about, um, it's also like the down under travelers, the other side of that is also, you know, how you've got your, your touring teams and, and things like that, you know. And I know recently you've you've done something with um, the Puerto Rican national team, was it? Is that 
if you just sort of want to explain yeah. to people how how that came about and obviously you know that the importance of that and how that sort of works in the program also yeah no worries well i think you know all these things we've tried to do is to benefit the player and uh you know being a pro scout um we just don't play enough quality quality baseball to uh compete with these guys that get to play week in week out in america at a very high level so i think the more opportunity that we um we have to play high level competitive baseball uh the better we're going to be so that obviously started with down under the travels with taking teams to america to go and play the best you know the best country in the world or the most resource country in the world in terms of baseball is you know in america it's the most densely populated area it's one of their pastimes they play it a lot, you know, take, you know, let's take, you know, kids over there. That's what we said, you know, down trails, take kids over there. Let's give them a whole Australian season of baseball within three weeks. You know, they're going to be better for it, the experience for it, not just the baseball, but living out of a suitcase or traveling or on the road, all these things. You know, I've had a couple of kids that have come on these tours that have found out, you know what, I don't want to go to college, you know, <laughs> catching buses and doing washing or whatever it is. They don't understand until they do it. And that's great. That's great. If a kid can work out or experience or taste that and realize it's not for them before they get to that stage, then that's really good too. But, you know, I've obviously, um, you know, the reputation that Down Under Travelers has over there in America, you know, when we turn up over there, you know, last trip we had every third, all 30 MLB teams sent scouts out to see our guys. There was colleges from all around America sent scouts down to watch our team play. Um, that doesn't happen for teams. That that doesn't happen. You know, I had the Bahaman uh, team come over from the Bahamas. That they had two prospects. One signed for three point five million. I think the other guy was, I think seven hundred k left-handed pitcher with um, with uh, Miami. Um, you know, come and play us because they knew they were going to get good competition. But they, uh, you know, the friendships, the relationships that I had, they wanted to do that. I guess with the Puerto Rican government, they've always been a big supporter of of mine or of ours and got really good relationships there with the government and they've sent teams previously over to Florida to play against us in tournaments and and um, and, and play and they, they know my heart and they know what I'm trying to do here or, or trying to accomplish in helping these next kids out so you know I kind of asked them I said you know is there any way possible we can get your team to come out and play you know here in Australia and get as many guys we can come and play you know, against you just to, to, to help or, or better you guys. So they sent their team out, you know, they probably got 10 kids, you know, probably seven to 10 kids that'll draft, you know, Puerto Rico is a bit unique that they're um, an American affiliated uh, country. So they're, they're actually, um, you know, US, Canada and Puerto Rico are part of the US draft system um, over there. And they've got seven to 10 players who will draft professionally you know and they've got you know probably four to five future big league um players so if you look at it you know to compare that to australia you're looking at about pretty much a, a decade of, of signings or a decade potentially of uh you know um players you know to get that many or for big league it's probably longer um to come here and play yeah, sort of one one of those, and one of those things i guess i was looking at too is the age the age of those kids you know like what 15 16 like the poor yeah there was a couple there there were a lot of 17 18 year old kids that they're, yeah. they're in high school so they're just becoming eligible to draft they'll be able to draft up their high school year 
uh, as well. But um, um, Boca Chica was there. You know, the dad played 10 years in the big leagues, you know, and the kids out here playing shortstop for the for the team, you know, um, here too. So uh, all their coaches, you know, pro background experience, they're, they're win league coaches over there. Um, you know, they got a lot of skin in the game and they were happy to come out. And, you know, we had um, a lineup of, of what I feel was, you know, really good coaches. We had Howie Norsetter, who's a, you know, for me, the most most famous scout here in Australia. He signed more perfect kids professionally to professional baseball than any other scout, you know, in the history of Australian baseball. He's got like 110 international signings. You know, this guy's known all over the world, you know, um, in, in baseball. And he's here coaching the down under travelers team, you know. And not only that, after the game, he's pulling the kids and in the locker room and telling them about his experience as a, as a pro coach or as a scout and what he looks for. And these things, I've, I've only got a little bit of skin in the game about five years as a LB scout. And I'm like, gee, I, gee, I feel really undone. <laughs> you know, like it was, uh, you know, it was incredible. And I know the guys just talking to them and the families and, and that, you know, it was extremely high level baseball. You know, as you said, it was a national team come out and, both the, the down on the travelers team, they, they each got a win against the Puerto Ricans, which was, you know, absolutely amazing. They, they, they come here to play and they come here to win. Don't get me wrong. They, they did not like losing at all. One of their coaches got ejected from a game. Um, they, they wanted to play and they played hard and they left everything out of the field and they played the game the right way. They played hard. Yeah. They hustled. They beat out everything. They, uh, they, they totally come here to play and that too. And the Queensland side or the Bull Sharks, I think there's 16 plays from that. They're playing AYC in their 16s and, and 18s, um, you know, national team side too. So they were a younger team, but they got a lot out of it. It was a very good opportunity for them to get some high level at bats and preparing for national championships and that as well. But, you know, as a scout, especially as hitters, you know, you're evaluating or you're potentially making decisions on guys and potentially wanting to put up money for guys, but how can you do that if they don't face high-level pitching? Um, yeah. So that was another opportunity for the scouts. You know, those scouts come from all around Australia to watch the games, and the Puerto Ricans had a number of scouts come too with them. They had a travelling party of 12 staff uh, as well, and, um, you know, just to get eyes on all these players as well and just, you know, you can see a guy smoke a 75-mile-hour fastball but as a pro scout, that doesn't really tell you anything. You know, you're trying to think, where's this kid going to be in seven years' time? Or can this guy barrel consistently a ball up at 90-plus miles? You know, the average fastball in Major League Baseball is 93 for a starter, 94 for a reliever. Can this, does this kid have the bat speed to hit that? And, you know, you can. Uh, it's really a guessing game until you put those kids up against it. And it's lucky to have the Puerto Ricans out here. And instead of just taking a team to you know, America to compete against that kind of thing that we could have multiple teams here playing against them and getting, having all those kids have that opportunity to, um, to be seen by that, uh, that exposure and, and those scouts, but have the opportunity to compete, play, you know, against them. And as I said, there's potential four or five big leaguers on that roster too. So in years to come, these kids are going to be able to say, hey, we played against, uh, you know, the Puerto Rican team and, you know, whatever it was, you know, is now now big leaguer or potential all-star or whatever else. So pretty cool experience as a first time a South American team, as far as me or others are aware, have ever come to a, 
Australia ever in the in the junior ranks um, from what we've been told or aware of anyway. So it was a massive massive opportunity to play some high level baseball here in the here in our own soil. So what what you're telling me is is that. Uh... You got to sign Roger for so what's what's your kitty about hundred grand? You sign Roger for bucks and a pack of red frogs because hundred percent. He can he can throw BP. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone needs a good BP. Yeah, Rog. I'm, I'm Roger's agent, by the way. So um, yeah. well, he takes ten percent of everything. So he takes top off the power aid and and one frog. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, but before we go, we, we do we do actually run a, a little bit of a thing on the Extra Base podcast called 60 Seconds with Jivo. Now, we didn't prepare you for this one because we like to surprise people. And, um, this is a good one. Because the fun thing about this is, mate, we can't give you all the questions. But, if, look, if you've watched previous episodes, which I'm assuming you have, um, you'll sort of know what's going on. But, um, mate, there's some interesting questions in here. And, look, your time will start at the end of my first question. We've ever got, got an official little clock and everything, mate, because um, <laughs> now I think what we're going to do tonight, just to mix it up a bit, I think Roger's going to run 60 seconds with Jeevo. So there's going to be 60 seconds with Roger. Oh, I haven't got the question <laughs> list in front of me. Have you not got the questions, Rog? Come on, mate. No. Do, you me, do you want me to run it this week and you can run it next week? Yeah, you run run it this week and I'll 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 write them down as you go. Have a Sorry, it's only Roger's second time he's actually made the entire podcast because he keeps having I'm, excuses. I'm just I'm just impressed. There's obviously no uh, no money's been spared in the producing of this show. Oh, I, uh... Mate, I understand. <laughs> mate, our our budget our budget is massive. It's as much as Kelly lets me spend. <laughs> <laughs> so um your time will start i'll let you have a drink first because yeah pressure's on and ben reynolds has just said that um it'd be the first time rogers made 60 seconds <laughs> all right oh dear okay ben your time will start at the end of my first question your nickname Benno. Favourite ballpark? Uh, I was fortunate enough to be on the field or coach at Fenway Park, Boston, in an uh, amateur event a couple of years ago. So I'd have to say Fenway Park. Favourite teammate? Oh, gee. Um, probably Phil Brassington, you know. Least favourite teammate? Oh, gee. Um, there's always people that grind you up the wrong way. There's there's a there's a guy who I played college baseball with who comes front front center. <laughs> Pineapple on pizza. Yes. Um, I just don't understand that. Anyway, what is your what would be your what would be your walk up song? I didn't get. Cho- I got it chosen for me back at college. It was I come from a land down under. Okay, I've got a, got a few more. We'll go through. Um, go for it. Favorite coach? It's probably Britt Brit Smith. So he was Howard coach. Uh, you know, as I said, he ended up 
um, taken that program to, yeah, to one thing after the next, uh, won the World Series with, you know, record of 63 and one, just a great guy. I learned so much from him, just not on, on the field, but also off the field as well. Least favorite coach? <laughs> You're asking a lot of questions that could give me a lot of trouble. <laughs> um, hey? That's what we do here, mate. We're controversial. It's okay. <laughs> controversial. Uh, least favorite. Uh, gee. I'm disappointed you have not mentioned who I thought you were going to mention. Who's that? AC. Oh, coach! <laughs> just annoying, just annoying. Full stop. Like, <laughs> oh, he's very passionate, very passionate about the game, and uh, and lo- lo- loves the game. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone doesn't know, we're talking about Andy Courtney, um, who who will be coming on a podcast very shortly. It should, should be a uh, absolute barrier. It's um. You might just question- need a mute button for some. <laughs> last question for you Ben if you had a choice between Otani and Trout who would be anything you know for me you know Mike Trout's been a great player for a uh, very long period of time you know fortunately it's been able to see him play and see him play live over a long period of time and you know, he's coming towards the end of his career as Otani's obviously a bit uh, a bit near the new of his career. So it would have been great to see them at the same age compete against each other. But uh, I was fortunate enough to be at spring training, I think, two years ago, you know, scouting and behind the plate. It was actually the Angels um, Angels complex in, in Arizona there and uh, saw Otani throw and he was warming up for the season in spring training, probably about 80 or 90%. And... Uh, He's by far the best pitcher I've ever seen in my life. You know, I've been fortunate to, you know, do a bit of scouting and, and, and be around and um, try and get to spring training every year. But just, uh, you know, the first innings, he just threw fastballs and it's just, it was just live. And then uh, I think he only threw two or three maybe sliders. It's the best slider I've ever seen in my life. And the next inning, he mixed in his split finger on top of all that. And it was like, for me, going the first inning, this fastball is elite. And then the slider is, you know, the best slider I've hands down, you know, seen. It just had teeth on it, you know, it just come out with velocity like a fastball and start on this side of the plate. And it, you know, was off the other side of the plate and done um, without any loop in it, you know. It was just so tight um, as well. And then the split finger just absolutely just fell off the table. It was uh, absolutely incredible. And just to... You know, and then that's only one day in, in the life of him and that's on the mound and then the next day he'll come out and hit a couple of home run balls for you or whatever else. And from all reports, I've obviously never met the guy, but uh, from all reports, just a great clubhouse guy and a great teammate and um, and uh, and that too. So, you know, I'd have to say, I'd have to say Otani, he's, he's an absolute freak. Yeah. And, mate, this is probably one question that I never prepare anyone for. Yeah. Because, no, and I'll be I'm, I'm you, taking, mate. I'm taking her. <laughs> no, that, that's Tim, not me, mate. So it's okay. It's <laughs> um, well, obviously, now Australian baseball, you know, 
what what do you personally think needs to change in Australian baseball for us to be at that next level? Just one thing. Um, yeah, very, very tough question. Very layered. Um, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's about playing as much high consistent level baseball as, as you can and giving the kids uh, the freedom of choice to be able to do that. These are my personal opinions, you know, um, and for the bit of skin that I have in the game, um, you know, kids develop from playing. They don't, you know, I don't feel like we need another, don't need another training program. We don't need another, you know, session. We need kids to play higher level baseball and be challenged uh, and compete, you know, at that level as much as they can. You know, why, why wait until they get to college or why wait until they get to pro ball? For that yep. to happen, you know, the last number of pitchers that I can think off the top of my head who all went to pro ball, they're they all shut down in their their first year of their professional seasons, you know, halfway through or there, there or thereabouts anyway. They, we just don't get the opportunity to play baseball-like. You know, if you look at these countries that are exceeding and going ahead, like Japan, Korea, Taiwan, you know, obviously America, but South America, the kids, uh, I'm, I'm all for downtime. As I said, I burn out as a young baseball player, so please hear my heart. I'm all for guys getting rest and guys getting uh, the chance to, to grow up and enjoy, enjoy life too, but also just let their bodies develop and that too. But when we're not resting or not having those downtimes, we need to be playing baseball and getting high level at bats. And I think in the um, last World Cup, obviously our bats were you know, were uh, put under a lot of pressure, um, you know, in the lead up to that. We just weren't getting the games in, you know, yeah. kids, they, were, they weren't allowed to play. They weren't, they weren't playing. You know, again, it's my personal opinion, not pointing the finger at anyone. I know everyone's got the best interest of everyone at heart, but, uh, you know, we need, we need kids to play. We can't find it a fluke that we're going to go from throwing BP and hitting that to then turning up the next week and trying to compete against 90 miles an hour. It just, it's just not... You know, it's not it's not possible, um, you know, either. So I think um, if you have a look at our results, you know, across the board in all our junior ranks, we're we're obviously down. It's a concerning time, you know, for baseball. And we all want to. We're all in it for the right reasons. We all want our kids to develop. We all want our kids to be better. Um, you know, so um, I think for me, if there was just one thing, would be just about letting the kids play, let them have freedom of choice, let the kids be able to play quality, you know, games and have those at-bats to, um, you know, like these other countries that are moving ahead at a rapid rate. Totally. All right, Ben, well, um, look, mate, I'm going to let you go. But, um, look, thanks for your time. It's been absolutely amazing to find out, you know, how everything sort of works from from your point of view. Um, love to get you back on, you know, shortly and sort of have a chat to you, you know, later on in the year to see if you've got anything exciting coming up. But, um, yeah, look, once again, thanks for your time. No worries. Thank you very much, guys. Pleasure to have you. And I hope uh, people had got a lot out of it. And, uh, yeah, all the best with your uh, baseball careers onwards and upwards. And uh, don't give up. Keep grinding. Keep playing hard. Back yourself. Um, you know, you'll have your bad days. But, you know, tomorrow's going to be uh, – the sun's going to rise. And uh, there's every chance, every opportunity to, uh, you know, get go three for three or, or pitch a complete game or whatever you're else. Keep dreaming. Keep aiming high. Um, keep in love with this great game it'll take you to great places and uh, yeah very fortunate for it and thanks for having me guys appreciate it thanks mate have a good night
You do. And that was Ben Moore. Rog, that's um, pretty pretty insightful, eh? Like... Oh, massively. Like, you don't realise how how big the industry is over there um, and what it takes when you're over there. Um, I learned a lot just from that. Like, I had no idea how, how in-depth everything is. Mate, I wonder if Shorty Ings was watching. Now, the other reason I say this is because I, I remember a day back at um, Auburn. <laughs> Shorty wanted to get signed. He wanted to go to college, remember? One day he's going to get signed. He just wanted to know what it was all about, how, how he's going to get signed. And Sean Smith always said... Just watching. Sean Smith's saying it was, it's, it'll happen one day. It, might, it may or may not. But, um, yeah, it's, um, look, mate, that, that's fantastic insight, obviously, the college. Now, as I said before... Um, Tuesday night, big, big, big night. We've actually got a couple of college guys coming on to actually talk about the college experience. So obviously, you know, it's a good lead-in to have sort of Ben come through the first part of it. Now, we're actually going to have a couple of college guys on. So um, Jalen Ray and also Cody Godbold will be on Tuesday night. So, yeah, it would be good to sort of get their insights of, you know, what it's like at college, you know, what they've been through, you know, what are their struggles, what have they found which was good, bad and the ugly of of the whole college thing. So, you know, tune in. Um, it's going to be a big session. And, look, we, we always encourage, you know, questions and things like that. It sort of makes our jobs a little bit easier too. Like we've got a few prepared questions for them, but, you know, we really – like to get the questions from the audience so then we can sort of say hey listen oh here we go sean smith shorty never made it to college but a great baseball grade career 100 percent sure even though he's now playing for borco we won't hold that against him but mm. um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then sean sean was at cronulla so yeah i don't know it's uh much and much <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, once again, you know, Sean's another guy that's going to have, um, Sean's another guy that's going to be on our podcast soon. Obviously, you know, with his better half, um, talking about what it's like to be a wag for baseball. Um, yeah, I'm sure Kel's got a few stories for us too. But, um, yeah, look, this is all for us from tonight. But um, tune in Tuesday night at 7pm. Obviously, the first question is going to be how Tim's uh, date went. Because uh, we haven't heard anything from him, so yeah. why, why went okay? But um, give us an update, mate. Still not there. Yeah, I thought he would have given us an update. Hey, but obviously, no, we're not important enough. But look, it is what it is. Um, it means it's going well. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll um, no, I think you know. Once again, thanks, Rog, for um, you know, turning up tonight. It's been great. Um, thank you for the facilities. Can, can you turn the barbecue? Can you turn the barbecue on? So we get I'll, steak I'll reach back in uh, again for you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but that's um, all for us tonight. But um, yeah, please tune in on Tuesday night at seven o'clock. A um, couple of big college interviews coming up to obviously to find out, you know, how the whole college process actually works from actual college kids, rather than sort of just sort of going off, you know, what you hear. Uh, get it straight from the horse's mouth. And we will see you on Tuesday night. Thanks, everyone.
second and one hop and go up into the seats for a ground rule double. And it's second and third with nobody out in the Boston third inning. 1,000 extra base hit of David Ortiz's career. A curveball on time to David Ortiz and it went right out over the plate. He puts it one hop hard into the stands on that right field line.